Hello, and welcome to this episode of Sarah and Friends, a podcast series where I grab some of my educator friends and geek out for a while about teaching and leading and learning. In this series, we're taking a look at a special kind of wisdom, uh, the kind that my guests would give to their first-year teacher selves. Don't worry if you're not a first-year teacher, there is plenty of insight for all of us from these educators. So today, uh, Sean Sheehan, an algebra teacher at Norman High School in Norman, Oklahoma, is joining us. Sean, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so you are um, not too far removed from your first day of teaching, actually, are you? No, no. It's only been, I just started six, my sixth year. Yeah. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your journey, what, what these six years have been like, how you got to the classroom? Yeah, so uh, everything before is, is pretty nonlinear. My initial plan was to go into the Air Force. Uh, and a month before I was supposed to commission in 2007, I ended up getting medically disqualified. And um, the, the problem resolved itself, so it was good. And I reapplied in 2008, and I had already gone to boot camp and, and had my degree. And the Air Force said, um, nah, we're good. Because we're still kind of worried about, like, I got really sick uh, between my junior and senior year. And we never got any kind of a diagnosis. And they never knew why. They just knew that something was wrong with my kidneys. Um, but they were they were good. The doctor cleared me. You know, they're filtering like they're supposed to. And the Air Force still said no. Yeah. And so I was devastated. You know, I had no backup plan. I had put all my eggs in the military basket. And so I had to kind of refocus and start over. And um, the thing is, uh, my mom had worked with kids and adults with disabilities. And so I had followed in her footsteps and worked with uh, kids with disabilities in after school and summer programs all through high school and college. And so I followed that path. And that led me to a bit of substitute teaching where I got a good taste of of, uh, working with high school students. And I found that I really enjoyed that. And then when I when I took on a full time, like my first adult, you know, job, yeah, you know, Monday yeah. through Friday, uh, I was a job coach for adults with disabilities in Oklahoma City. Uh-huh. And I kept seeing this awful trend where these young high school graduates um, were coming out horribly underprepared for work and life after high school. You know, they they had resigned themselves to lesser because they had a disability. I mean, we had I had kiddos who were coming out of great school districts, but they thought that the only option they had was uh, wiping tables at uh, McDonald's, that kind of a thing. Right. And so I said, you know, this this isn't right. Like, I want to get on the front end of this. And so I went back to school, got my master's in special education at the University of Oklahoma and started teaching in 2011. So the impact of your prior experiences um, leading up into the classroom must have really been profound um, in in your effectiveness in the classroom, because what we haven't um, said yes is that you are also um, the 2016 Oklahoma State Teacher of the Year. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was certainly a result of all of those in, those experiences beforehand. So uh, I am a military brat. I was adopted when I was just a few days old from the Philippines. Um, grew up in Japan for the first three to four years of my life. And then we came stateside. And so West Phoenix, Arizona really is home. We kind of settled there. And having had a couple different like full careers before I got to teaching, I started teaching when I was 20 four-ish, right? So I was still pretty young and new, but uh, it wasn't my first 
real teaching or it was my first real experience working and so uh i think the kids really appreciated that because i didn't have this sense of, like i wasn't uh i wasn't just post college you know because people are still trying to figure out life uh in that window of their 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 time period of their life so um like i was more mature is what i mean sure. to say sure absolutely so um I'm really curious about how you've changed over these six years. Do you see a shift in yourself as, you know, someone walking into the classroom versus where you see yourself today? Yeah, how I've, my uh, teacher kind of hat has, has changed and expanded so much since day one. So when I started at Norman High, my principal asked, they said, what, what do you want to accomplish? Like, what is your goal? And on day one, really before day one, before the kids ever arrived, I said, my primary goal is to redefine what what people's perception of a special education teacher looks like. Uh, I said, because really I have I have siblings who were who receive services in special education. And uh, I, I feel like the perception of a special ed teacher is just kind of maybe a, a middle aged female white who is just kind of maybe giving hugs and high fives to kids. And that's kind of a gross overgeneralization. Uh, but I feel like they didn't think that uh, special education teachers were on the same level as gen ed teachers. Like, for some reason, there was kind of a lesser degree to our work when really it was quite the opposite. Like, we had to be a jack of all trades. We had to be able to assist kids in all the subject areas and work with the extra set of challenges that they have, uh, depending on their disability. So that so, was so year much one. Of your work then has been to change the perception of what it means to be a special ed teacher. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. So, you know, just being one, even being a male in the field is kind of rare. And then being a male person of color is now even more rare. Mm -hmm. uh, and the thing is, that's the that's that's like a huge percentage of the special education population Absolutely. of students, right? Like male children of color. So right. for them, so they can see themselves in you, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what it was. It was like, oh, OK, so someone, you know, who kind of looks like me is doing this job that, you know, we don't ever really see people who look like us in this role. So that would those were those early years and just trying to challenge the stereotype of what a special ed teacher looked like. And in doing that, it was always the goal was always to inspire my kids so that it's like, hey, listen, you know, do the thing that you want to do. And if someone isn't doing that job, like you can't point to someone who looks like you and is doing it, right. then you go do it. Like you take it and run with it. And that has transitioned now perfectly well to to my run for office now uh, in the state of Oklahoma. I'm running for state senate and I had the opportunity to address um, some of my high school students and they asked me, they say, why are you running? Yeah, and what I said, did you say to them? <laughs> I say, you know, at the most basic level, I had the opportunity to address the senate uh, a couple months ago. Okay. And I looked around the room and I said, guys, there wasn't anyone in there who looked like me, who sounded like me, or who has come from the same kind of struggles that I have. And guess what? To the kids, I say, yeah. they don't look like y'all. They don't sound like y'all. <laughs> they don't understand the same struggles that we have. You know, these guys are, are they have a different reality, a different sense of reality, what's really going on in the state. And so it's no surprise that they are out of touch with what's going on in our community. Yeah. So it's it's also been part of your 
short, but incredibly, I would say, intense, uh, you know, six years in the profession um, that you have really worked to spread this enthusiasm. Can you talk a little bit about your Teach Like Me campaign? Sure. So in 2013, let's see, that was my only my kind of third year of teaching. I was uh, I kept hearing so much negativity and it was the source was was educators themselves. So I was in the teacher's lounge one day and, and a veteran teacher who I respect very much. She's, she's incredible. Um, I overheard her discourage her own child from doing this job. She said, don't do this job teaching. The pay is too low. You won't be respected and you're smart enough to do something else. Wow. wow. And I, what, a yeah, I was, what a moment. Yeah, well, I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's a horrible sales pitch. Like, my dad was in the Air Force, and he never said, Sean, don't do this job, because remember all those times I was deployed for Operation Desert Storm? And remember, you know, how I told you about IEDs and, and, you know, life feeling like it's at risk constantly? Like, no, that wasn't his sales pitch. It was always about serving the country. And so I wanted to tap into those same core values that military service members have, and instill those in educators. You know, there's a reason why we do this work. Let's focus on that. It's not about being naive to the challenges we face, which often include, you know, the ones that she listed, low pay, a uh, sense of, of lack of control, um, but being intentional about focusing on the good work that we do. Absolutely. Um, and so literally, like, so why is it called Teach Like Me? Like, literally, I wanted to find a way for teachers to say those three words and not you know, teach like Sean, but if you teach third grade, like be proud of it, own it. If you teach AP US history, own it, be proud of it for a change, encourage kids to follow in your footsteps. Like that's okay. Yeah. You know, it, it really, um, you know, resonates with, um, even how you talk about your dad, you know, that, um, service, you know, military service is, um, oftentimes outward, you know, we're so proud to be around people who have served. And it sounds like you're carrying that into this campaign. Yes, that, that's that's the heart of the message. It's uh, and it's funny because it's it's unusual for teachers. It puts us it puts us in a weird spot. Uh, some folks have <laughs> it does, said, isn't doesn't it? It totally it's, does. Yeah, the psychology behind it. They're like, isn't that kind of like arrogant? It isn't kind of like braggadocious. And I said, guys, braggadocious is what we need right now. Because <laughs> if if our neighbors and our cousins and our, our you know, non-educators are logging in on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, and all they're seeing from us is 10 reasons why teachers burn out in three years, 20 reasons why we should all, you know, revolt or, you know, insert any number of of, of challenges uh, like that's their perception of our work and that's they assign value to our work based on what we say on social media. And if all we say are negative things, then we can't be surprised when we have things like teacher shortages and we're, we're, we're wondering why our teacher salaries are where they are. And we're wondering why we haven't been invited to the table for very important conversations. Yeah. It's all it, it's it's also systematic, isn't it? So I, I've got to just ask you, how does a third year teacher have the gumption to do this. This is what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> My third year teacher self was, I still had fuzzy brain, you know, like, I, I, yeah. So I'm so curious about how, like, how you just did this. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, my state, Oklahoma is not known for good public education. Uh, that's no secret, but there are programs, um, and things in place that are, really one of a kind and unique. And so in 2013, 
that start of my third year, I applied to this program called OK Math and OK Science Leadership, OK being short for Oklahoma. And so they rounded up about 40 math and science educators from the state, just all over the state. They put us in a room and they said, listen, we're going to meet over the course of four weekends and we're challenging we're challenging you to identify a problem in our state and come up with a solution to it you know because complaining well, well, sure. does nothing. Designed, design problem solving yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and so um everyone kind of came at it from different angles some folks saw it as stem challenges some folks saw it as as funding problems and for me i saw it as a uh, public relations issue i said you know educators are the worst at selling this profession so we've got to change that and so over the course of that year um, Teach Like Me ended up being the product of my work with OK Math, OK Sci leadership. Uh, and and so I just – and it was one of the few. There were other programs that were great, and uh, people still hear about them here in our state. But mine was the one that got a lot of – it had a high visibility because it was so easy to spread on social media. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's shift a little bit to talking about some of the wisdom you've gleaned from all of these experiences. Um, I, I read in a letter that you posted on the Teach Like Me site to future ed- educators. Um, one of the things that you mentioned in there, you said, my goal is to simply validate your decision to teach. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. So that came out of a result of my my one-year sabbatical serving as Oklahoma's Teacher of the Year, which has just come to an end. Uh, and it's just been – I feel like I need a whole nother year just to process everything that's happened over this last year. For I'm sure. sure you will spend many years processing right. <laughs> what's happened right. the last year. Yeah, yeah. But um, the the most fun part of this year – of traveling my state and speaking with folks was speaking with college kids, so future educators. They had so much worry and hesitation and apprehension about going into this job. Kind of like and buyer's remorse? What? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this August, this year, Oklahoma now, you know, is, is 50th in teacher pay in the, in the country. So it's, it's tricky when, especially when they can go north, south, east, or west, uh, you know, to Colorado or Texas and, and pull thousands more. So my message to them uh, was that they, you know, they made the right choice uh-huh. because people all around them, their very, their parents, their, you know, their neighbors, their, 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 their church members, they were all discouraging them. They were saying, you know, you know that it's going to be hard, right? You know that you can't live on your own. You know that, you know, it, it's going to be really hard to have a family. And no one was out there championing the message, Um in a way that was authentic, you know, so I think they got a lot of those cut and paste messages where, you know, this is it's for the kids, which as well, it, it most certainly is, but it's hard to, to get a sense of when you are not in it and doing it yet. Mm-hmm. And so that was the message that I brought to them was, this, was validation that they had made the right choice. And, and so I said, I would say, I'm going to show you just a couple things of what I've done over the last few years, why I love this. And I hope in doing this, um, You'll, you'll nod your head and you'll say, yeah, you know what? I want to do that. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Well, clearly you are doing it in, you know, both, I think, really outwardly profound ways. And then um, and I know in, in quiet ways with your students as well. Um, I, I want to ask this question about uh, thinking about your first year teacher self. So what advice would you give 
to your first year teacher self today? <laughs> There's a photo that I, I like to start my presentations off with, and it's it's me sitting at my desk on like day zero, you know, just before the kids come in. I had a friend take it. Yeah. And and the <laughs> the desk is funny. I said just looking at this photo of me. You can tell that I'm not ready for this at all because the desk was facing the wall. It's like, oh. hey, smarten up. You need to be able to face the kids when they're taking like tests and, and, and doing all that. So that was like that was like a no brainer. Uh -huh. Like two weeks out, I was like, Oh yeah, turn your desk so that you can face the kids. What are you thinking? That's uh, funny. But aside aside so from lesson me, number one, turn the desk around. Right. Like make sure you can see the kids when you are at your <laughs> sure. desk. Let's start there because no one ever, <laughs> they didn't fill me in on that one on day one uh, and all those pre-service meetings, but yeah. no, like zooming out a bit more. Um, don't, when, when kids have, um, you know, when they come at you with challenging <laughs> attitudes and yeah. uh, those sorts of things, do not take it personally. 99.9% oh, yeah. .9 of the time these kiddos had, Something else happened just beforehand. They got in an argument with mom. They broke up with their girlfriend at the high school level, you know. Sure. And um, their anger and frustration—you just you're the you're the target. But it's not. It's almost never like you. It's never. It was never Mr. Sheen. Like I'm out to get this guy. I'm out to wreck his day, and he's gonna he's gonna bear the brunt of my rage. Like it was right. always something else. Right. Absolutely. So those are some specific things, but also, um, you know, kind of metaphoric, right, in, in their lessons, um, you know, to see the kids. We have to see the kids. It's important to zoom out, you know. It's, it's so easy to do this work with your head down um, yes. and, forget to, and forget to look up. So I think that zooming out is, is also really a beautiful metaphor. And, you know, and I think the not taking it personally seems to be an extension of seeing the kids, that when we really see them, we understand that there's this whole other story you know there's this whole other life that's going on for them outside of the classroom right. and we have this you know incredibly important work of somehow merging the two um, into the best possible way absolutely absolutely so whenever I do interviews I love to end with kind of a lightning round so I have five quick questions um, and I'm just looking for one word to two or three word answers all right okay. Sure. Yeah. It's like a little association game here. All right. Okay. Number one, um, what are you reading right now? Walking Dead comics. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, what does it feel like to walk into a classroom? Heaven. Can you give me the first name of a memorable student? Q. And what did he or she teach you? He taught me patience and forgiveness. And finally, what does it mean to be a teacher? Oh, that shouldn't be as complicated. Sorry. What does oh, it mean okay. to be a teacher? It means it means the world to someone else. Oh, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Sean, you have been an absolute pleasure, and I can't tell you enough how inspirational your story is um, and how important um, the work that you're doing is uh, to, to recruit other teachers to this profession and to, um, I think, just really elevate um, all, kinds of, all kinds of students and teachers.
Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been a blessing and I, I plan on just keeping moving forward with it and carrying the torch for educators. Absolutely. Well, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I hope you've heard some of your very best teaching self um, in this conversation today with Sean and that you can remember that the work that you are doing, it is the very best kind. This is Sarah Brown-Wessling for Teaching Channel. You can stay in touch with me via Twitter or through my webpage at sarahbrownwessling.com. Thank you.